Westwood One Podcast Network. You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life, hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off. And to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, Buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative insurgency up, in their lives. You fire me up, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Marcus, tell me, the greatest performance in gymnastics history. What do you think? The perfect 10. Do you know, first off, do you know how many perfect 10s there's been? No, but I know the one that rattles into my head every time I think of a perfect floor routine, and that's Kim Zemesco when Dev went down to the Georgia. Oh, when was in, that in, one? In Atlanta. Kim I got to look that one up. I, I the, the list I have involves Nadia Komenich. Oh, Mary, the first one ever in the 76 Olympics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot right? about it. Well, remember for us, Mary Lou Retton was huge. Oh, sure, man. America's sweetheart, dude. She is. Man, she could do no wrong. And then uh, um, Carrie Shrug, right? When she, on the vault. Oh, I don't, I don't know if she got a 10. But I don't think she anchor, got a 10. Yeah, but her ankle was Oh, it was all jacked. She had it all twisted. Yeah, yep. all taped up. It's got uh, Loli Minica Hall. Nellie Kim, Yelena Davadova, Melita Rune, and Escartarina Zabo. Those are the perfect tens. Who scored perfect tens right there. That's insane. It's supposed to be the most difficult thing to do in all sport to score a perfect ten in Olympic gymnastic competition. Right there. How about all it? sport? All sport, dude. What about eagle in golf? Mm. If you were to put two people up and said, you have a choice between trying to get a 10 or hitting an eagle in golf in one shot, the well, eagle's got to be more Yeah, difficult. they're both one shot, right? Interesting perspective. But I, what am I'm I, sorry. I've, I naturally have to go to the devil's advocate on it, though. Uh, you always are going there. That's why I'm just waiting for I it to am come. your counterpoint. <laughs> Firmly rooted, firmly rooted insanity. Because why wouldn't we want to slow this down? <laughs> what is the hardest sport? Hardest sport in the world? Blood sport, right? John Claude Van Damme and what was the other dude? Right? Bolo Young, yeah. <laughs> or or what about Bolo Young? Yeah, what was Bolo Young? Bolo Young, yeah. And then what? What? And then, but in the future, uh, Mad Max it was Thunderdome. Mm -hmm. That's got to be pretty tough. Terrifying, right? What, what's the one with Bowling? Schwarzenegger where they're they're killing running man. Running, running, running man. With Statham where they're driving the cars in prison. Oh, <laughs> death, death race. Death, death race. race. Yeah. Death race. Okay, let's come back to reality. What really is the hardest sport? That's a great question, and I, it matters like where are we coming from? The physically most difficult, 
the most mentally difficult. I don't think you can quantify speed. it because it's it's difficult to quantify it, right? Because what you're doing, and we hear this conversation, and it's all over. The biggest place we're seeing it right now is the comparisons between LeBron James and Michael Jordan. The comparisons between a person from one place in history and another, right? And trying to quantify, you know, who is the best, right? Uh, yeah, that's what you're trying to. I mean, how big is your ego? Where you got to think that? I mean, you're comparing yourself to a a generation that you didn't, you weren't even in. So, I mean, that's just kind of bragging rights and, and fans being fans. You, and fans being fans. Fans being fans, absolutely, because they're the best at their time for a reason. I mean, that, and they're there for a reason. And it's at that time, you weren't there, he was, and he's the one that drew that. And now, when, you, when you're talking about where they're getting with the numbers. Well, that's what it is. Yeah, how many a, championships? How uh, many How many yeah, accolades? Yeah. Who, so, who so, has, so you can't say that that's one single person's the best because they had a team to to. to Potentially, get him, unless get him it's through in, that. Well, well, the coaches, the players, all that. Man, yeah, yeah. The guy with a line has those crazy numbers because his line has stepped everything, and he could he couldn't have been you know he could have been a horrible quarterback. I got one. Let me ask you on this one, since we're in kind of the realm of Olympics. What about swimming? Could you say Matt Michael Phelps is the greatest swimmer of all time? Yeah. I mean, there's a superlative, right? Yeah, yeah swimming, yeah. And, and it would seem that within the spectrum of individualistic competition, the potentiality is there, right? No, yeah, water doesn't change. Interesting. The, the pressure, the drag. Although they'll tell you, based on the depth of the pool, how many different lanes, the temperature in the thing. That that's it's, a, well, that's like asking a sniper what his best shot. It, well, exactly. So I go back to your question, Wizard. I don't think you can say what is the hardest sport. What I, I actually found a definitive oh, list of, course you of the hardest sports. This is compiled by ESPN based on 10 different categories, and they rank them all, and then they put all the sports in here. Categories are endurance, strength, power, speed, agility, flexibility, nerve, du- duration. I don't know what that exactly is. Anyways, they have rated all sports on this. Do you know what they... Yeah, let's hear it. This is kind of interesting. Let's go with the top. Actually, we'll start with gymnastics. It is number eight. The eighth hardest is gymnastics, followed by <clears throat> tennis, martial arts, wrestling, basketball. There's a surprise. Basketball. Are you going like We are getting closer to number one. Oh, so whoa. number four is basketball. Number three, football. I'm guessing that's American football. Number two, ice hockey. Number one, anyone. Anyone? Hardest sport, golf. No, hold on. You got to think across all the categories, not just in one like uh, precision. You got rugby or they, lacrosse. Rated right? it I did all these odd. ten different. Oh, you're getting like that, huh? Oh, lacrosse. I like that. Go there. Thanks, yeah, buddy. Lacrosse is number. Well, football. Mixed martial arts. Football without. Okay, pads. rugby's fourteen. Lacrosse is fifteen. MMA. Followed by rodeo. It's 16. Rodeo's yeah, got to be kid, hard. Right, man, cowboys. All right, what is it? I'm waiting. It is boxing. Uh, yeah, fighting. The right? Board. The, what is it called? Pugilism. Pugilism. Yeah, pugilism. Boxing. Oh, hey, I, I made Number a, one. I, I made an error. It wasn't, uh, I thought it was Ken Zemeskel that had the devil went down. It was Dominique Mochianos. Uh, she's the one that did that. The devil went down in Georgia. God bless her. Dude, should we call up Charlie <laughs> and say we just referenced the great? It, we, she got the 10 because of the song, right? right. <laughs> hey, could you make sure you <laughs> print a retraction on that? Yeah, I yeah, screwed that up. We're in bad shape. I think that people will forgive you for 
for that oversight. Yeah, yeah. They're both great. No worries. Yeah, they're both. <laughs> they're both great. <laughs> they are, man. All uh, right, well, so that I, I, you know what? I'd love to see that list and get into how they broke it down. Where can where can our listeners uh, find that? This came. This is on uh, ESPN.com forward slash ESPN forward slash page two forward slash sports skills. Awesome. Awesome. I, I agree with with boxing being the hardest. Oh. It's mental, physical. Would you say what, what's hard? MMA, ILA, UFC, or boxing? Oh, well, MMA, because there's a ground element. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Everything element. Oh, yeah. You run off the fence and yeah, kick yeah. somebody well, in the face. Well, they put martial arts in here. I don't know exactly what martial art they're talking about or which competition, but. That's because it's so broad. That yeah. One, that one is red number six. The other categories here, which are interesting. So there's analytic aptitude. There's hand-eye coordination. They've ran, they've uh, it's a ranking and durability. Sure. Durability, right? Yeah. Obviously, boxing. That's yeah. an important one. I love Especially it. back I in like the, the day, dude, when them dudes had to go rounds and rounds and rounds and rounds and rounds. Well, the one thing I know, man, is that hats off to all you boxers. Hats off to the gymnasts out there too. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's not take anything away from them. Their athletic prowess is impressive. In, in it's, the a, it's a in pinnacle, the man, of, a, a body weight to uh, strength. And time. Think about the time. My good buddy of mine that I went to high school with, his daughter, one of his daughters is, is, you know, hitting that elite level where they're starting a groomer potentially to go into the next pool of the top athletes. And, and he literally spends 30, 40 hours a week adhering to her schedule, right? With her, his wife driving, him driving, pick up her being at training before school, after school. It's insane, man. So the dedication of these little girls and, and who become these young ladies is unbelievable. But at its core, you know, they have, they have these ultimate coaches, right? I just remembered. I saw a video. Kevin Hart has this series where he goes around trying different things. And one of them is he goes... To a gymnastics gym for little it, kids. Kidding me. And he goes with, I don't remember that other guy. He's, like the, he's, a, he's a black actor, huge guy. Play, usually plays like the monstrous dude. Anyways, those the two rock. go together. Oh, you mean Terry? Terry Crews. Terry Crews. That's the guy. He goes there with Terry Crews. And they both show up and they just simply try to do the class with these, I don't know what they are, five, seven year olds. <laughs> it is hilarious oh that's and it awesome. speaks to how difficult some of this stuff is i mean oh. the average person go out there and try to do a lever or try to do a planche even Dude, a i can't touch my toes much less do go out a, and whatever try that, that and you will get an appreciation just oh. for the athleticism required to do and the strength it's given it's already it's implied the yeah, appreciation respect right respect well let's let's turn a little bit and let's let's start this sucker out welcome to the team never quit podcast i'm your host david rutherford with mr never quit himself marcus luttrell and oh wait that's it Characteristic screaming, the devolute, the devolve. What's the word I'm looking for? The devolve. We have devolved. We've devolved. Are we shut it down as we introduce the wizard now? <laughs> All hail. All right. Welcome to the Team Thank Never you. Quit podcast. If this is your first show, stand by because we have, we have one of the best top coaches in NCAA history. All sports combined with 
That's right. All sports combined with Miss Valerie Condos Field. Man, this woman is incredible. I Ms. cannot Val. wait. Miss Val. All right. Before we jump into that, if you're if you're returning and, and you're coming back for more, we just can't thank you enough. Uh, right, Marcus? Oh, I can't believe it. It's such a blessing to be able to do this and and hearing what people run into them out in town and stuff that 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 they're listening. That's that's amazing. Thank y'all so much for doing that. Oh, amen. We we just can't get enough of you. Thank you so much. We also want to thank our our main partner and sponsor, Westwood One. We're so happy to be a part of the Westwood One Podcast Network. Thank you so much. Uh, and we also want to thank some of our sponsors. Let's talk some Brownells, brother. How many? All I want to know first is how many times have you gotten sucked in to a gun website for hours on end, Marcus? Oh, it's hypnotizing. They're smart like that. <laughs> kind of like walking to a Vegas casino. <laughs> <laughs> it literally yeah. is. You find right? your way in, you can't get back yeah. out. What I love about it is when you find one that's really good. That has everything in Wizard. I bet you. That's the key. Yeah, I'm a gear nerd. You are the ultimate. Always been a gear nerd. So you go in there, you start reading about this, and you see that, and it's even worse when they've got everything under the sun available. And and that's Brown Owls, man. They are the world's leading supplier of firearms, ammunition, firearm accessories, reloading components, and a whole whole lot more. The cool thing about I love about Brown Owls, Marcus, and I know you love this, are the guaranteed forever. Right? Who says that? We're guaranteed forever. Nobody. <laughs> Brown Owls does. Brown Owls <laughs> does. Now, they offer nearly 120,000 items from new guns and ammo to any gun imag- part imaginable. Uh, and the and another huge part when you're when you're ordering anything that has to do with firearms is that uncomfortable wait time that might exist with other FFL partners around, right? Have you ever done that, Wizard, where you've had Yeah, I mean, anything that you're going to need to show identification and your background check, it's, you want a local place where you can go by and pick it up. So they've got, what, over, like over 6,000? Uh, 5,500 yeah. partners with FFL licenses to make the online purchase go smoothly. Now, here's my favorite part. This is a family-owned, veteran-owned business in the country's heartland, baby, in Iowa for nearly 80 years. And they've been supporting law enforcement agencies, charities, and military chains for as long as they have been around. Now, Christmas is coming up, so if you want to go out and support your your family shooter, man, Brownells is the place to visit. Just go visit brownells.com and tell them the TNQP team sent you. All right. If you want to know more about what we do, please visit our website at tnqpodcast.com uh, where you can download our shows. You can read about why we're doing this. Uh, one of my favorite spots, which is the listener write-in Never Quit Stories. Please check that out. And if you've got an insane Never Quit, write in, share your story with us. Please, uh, we'll post it at least on on our community page. Uh, if it's good, we read a show. We read a story at the end of every show. And if it's great, Marcus, you're coming on. You're coming on with us. All right. 
Uh, you can also find our TNQP merchandise. We've got hats and shirts, the whole shebang, shawang. Uh, go get that swag. Uh, and if you want to listen to us, not only can you listen to us on the podcast, but you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Just search the little search thing. Type in team where the first one that pops up. CastBox, we're streaming finally on Spotify. Thank you, Spotify. Uh, Stitcher and all other basic podcast platforms out there. All right, if you want to follow us for some crazy reason other than just the show, uh, you can follow the show at TNQ Podcast. You can follow Team Never Quit at Team Never Quit. Marcus at Marcus Luttrell. The Wizard at The Wizard TNQ. And me at Team Frog Logic. All right, Wizard. Sir. Why don't you drop some knowledge on our listeners about this incredible woman that's coming on? Let's, let's. Miss Val, Valerie Condos Field, is American gymnastics coach, former ballet dancer, and dance coach. She's currently the head of the US, UCLA Bruins gymnastics team, which is a very dominant team in that space. She has been for 29 years. Now, coming up, uh, she was from an artistic family. She started in, uh, she came up playing piano as well as being a ballet dancer. In fact, she went on to dance, uh, for example, Sacramento Ballet, Capital City Ballet, and Washington uh, in the Washington, D.C. Ballet. That opened a door for her in 1983, where she started, she took a position with UCLA coaching um, as a dance coach for their floor routines. She stayed there for eight years until she was offered the head coach position. And like I said, she has now been there for 29 years. She's expecting to retire uh, at following her 30th season, uh, coming up here in 2019. Now, her career there has been nothing less than exceptional. Seven NCAA championships, numerous Pac-10, and then later the Pac-12 championships. Uh, she, in 2010, was inducted into the school's Athletic Hall of Fame, and in 2016, she was honored as the Pac-12 Coach of the Century for gymnastics. In her personal life, 2014, she went through some hardship when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, uh, which is currently in remission. She has written a book, which came out recently in October, called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. Um, it's Marcus, part- let's I- dance. <laughs> let's dance right now, bud. Come on. What do you think? Do, do you know... Is ballerina not on the hardest sport thing? You know how hard that is? I mean, granted, Broken guys... toes. Uh, we're, right? Joints. I mean, when they get up on... And, man, that is just Brutal. That, that sounds like something. a competition we should have. Which one of us can stand on our toes? You longest? win. Yeah, man, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, dealing with, that, with, with, with cancer and... And everything, man. She's she, bad she, to she, the she, bone. Yeah, is that man. all you got? Can we get her on now? I'm chomping no, at the bit. I just want to talk about this book that uh, she sent us some copies when we started reading here. But it's part autobiography, part self-help, part leadership book. I mean, and she is an expert in at least, you know, those past two uh, categories for sure. Other than that, let's get on and talk to her. All right. Here we go, baby. Let's get ready to dance. All right, Marcus, how many dudes do you know that are utterly miserable at picking out their clothes? All of my friends. All of my, I, I'm pretty much gone. You're one of my friends. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I <laughs> so, appreciate that. Uh, our styles are similar. We came from They're similar. almost identical. You back it up even further than that. When you come out of high school, you have your own style. Then we get to the teams, it's just, you know, it's issued to you. The standard operator look. Right, right. <laughs> Tevas, cut off BDUs, your old Bud's Brown t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you tired of people telling, asking you, are you going to wear that? 
<laughs> Again? <laughs> was it when you throw the shirt in the dryer for a little bit? Throw oh, the to, to get the wrinkles out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Do people remind uh, you that it's not Halloween? <laughs> Are you tired of your significant other laughing when you walk out of your closet? <laughs> uh, did Does you, your family uh, trail you at 20 feet when you go out in public? Uh, has your wife thrown away your favorite pair of jeans? <laughs> yeah, look, I, no, you did that. The threw Levi's, away like three times, the dude. Levi's, I found the 19, them in the garbage. The yeah, 1989 like, Levi's. What are these doing in here? I think that was a scene in a movie, too. I didn't know it was real. Like, wait a minute. I, ha- I don't fit them anymore, obviously, but I still got to have them. <laughs> you think your wife cuts up your favorite clothes into rags just <laughs> by mistake? Yeah, have you ever found yourself cleaning the kitchen with one of your old shirts? There's one of your favorite shirt. Yeah. Well, we've got the fix for you, and that's StitchFix.com. StitchFix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. Now, just go to StitchFix.com slash T&Q and tell them your sizes, what styles you like, tactical, and how much you want to spend on each item. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick items to send right to your door. Now, what's the kicker when it gets to your door there, Marcus? That's the best part. Was it comes in a box. When you open it up, it's got an instruction manual actually how to wear it, which... No, that same thing happens, applies to us, right? Yeah. Wear a uniform like this, crease <laughs> you can shave with. Oh, <laughs> the educational component. But if you're having trouble turning over the tactical look and going back into the civilian world, the, the, it, I was a t-shirt and jean guy, right? And um, when you get married, that goes away too. So they, they've actually got that stuff lined out for you and how to wear it. And if you don't like it, you, they give you a, a package to send it back. And get this, returns are always free. Listen, there's no subscription required. You can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or get your fix whenever you want. Stitch Fix styling fee is only $20, which is applied toward anything you keep from your shipment. Now, listen, get started today. Stitchfix.com forward slash TNQ will get you an extra 25% off when you keep all items in your box. You got to keep all the items to get the 25% off. That's stitchfix.com slash TNQ. Get started and change your style today. Okay, Marcus, how many guests have we had on the show that are just at the pinnacle of their career in terms of coaching? The people that are better than us in every capacity. They're pretty much better (laughs) than us. In every way, shape, and form. People that have been influencing human beings in ways that we can't even fathom. We talk about our old instructors and the teams. We we talk about the new guys who come into our platoons. But none of what I've ever experienced in my life prepares you when, when a Tony LaRussa comes on, when uh, a Greg Jackson comes on. And now who we have, perhaps one of the greatest, gymnastics coach in the history of the sport is coming on today i gotta tell you brother i am fired up oh yeah no 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 i uh when we were going over the schedule and who was coming on the block it was uh let's do this i'm ready (laughs) i hope it teach us more about ourselves than we ever could because that's the beautiful thing about our ladies man is they can punch right through our armor we get up in the morning it's always on in some kind of capacity and what's unique about each one of our ladies is is they possess a skill that can punch right through that and teach us something about ourselves so this ought to be pretty heavy well what do you say let's get this going and let's bring miss val on are you ready gents all right 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the TNQ podcast, Miss Val. Thank you, ma'am, so much thank, for coming on. Thank you so much. It is an honor both to be speaking with both of you, honestly. And we got the wizard in the back, too. And he, every now and then, you got to watch out because he's going to throw the real tough questions at you. <laughs> I hear the wizard is like Yoda out there, so I'm excited about that. He is. Oh, I am. I'm short good, man. and green. With very long ears. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, before we get into your incredible story, let's first, let's get a little warm up. I, I know warm ups and gymnastics are part of the most the, the most important part of all, all, all aspects of that, whether you're warming them up physically and most importantly with you, the way you warm them up mentally and emotionally as well. So this is our warm up. It's called the Mad Minute. Now, these questions for you are going to be the most difficult questions you've ever experienced. But I have no doubt, I have complete faith that you are going to be ready for this. So, Miss Val, are you ready to get warmed up? I am trembling, but I am enthusiastic, so here we go. All right, here we go. Marcus, fire away. All right, what was the first thing that came into your mind this morning when you woke up? Don't forget to call on the, for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and that happened at about 4 a.m., and oh. my alarm wasn't going to go off till about 7, so it was like, darn it. Oh, no. That was the first thought in my head, too. What goes for? I was like, don't be late for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. All right, Wizard, fire away. All right, well, I want to hear uh, one person that you admire for their physical ability and one person that you admire for their mental ability. Uh, physical ability, first person that came in mind is Misty Copeland. Do you guys know who Misty mm -hmm. Copeland is? Please tell me this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, prima ballerina with American Ballet Theater, and was the other one the mental ability? Was that it? Mental capacity? Yep. Yes. Was it okay? The toughest athlete I've ever had the privilege of working with is Kristen Maloney. She was a 2000 Olympian. She went through horrific uh, surgeries trying to get the rod in her shin to be the right length. She had, I believe, four huh. different surgeries, and the last one, she got an infection in her bone, and they almost had to amputate her leg, and God. so she spent uh, about three years with us just trying to get this thing right, and came back her last year and competed the same skills that she competed at the Olympic Games, and with about six months of training. Oh, my god! And we actually oh. named a, an award after her, at the Heart of a Champion Award, because we just said, all of us coaches said she's the toughest athlete we've ever been around. Oh, that's awesome. We should look to try to get her on the show. I know. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. That, that's unbelievable. All right. All right. Yeah. Are Very you ready? Impressive. All right. If you, yeah. could, if you could dance on any stage in any ah. ballet, where would it be and what ballet would you dance? Ballet? I would do... I would... Do ballet? I would probably do um, one of the classics like Swan Lake. Oh, and, yeah. But on stage, I would be in Hamilton. Where's Hamilton? I would. Oh, the the I the Broadway be, play. Yes, oh. I would be um, Angelica in Hamilton. 
that means I have to be able to sing also. Uh, so whatever. It's my little fairy tale going on right here in my head. So that's what I would do. Well, I love Actually, it. Actually, <laughs> I would rather be Lin-Manuel Miranda because I want to have that genius. So <laughs> I'm going rogue here. Tell you something. You, I, I love think you're tossing you out here. You got plenty of genius in you. Uh, you I, love, she, I think she might go down more rabbit holes than you, Marcus. Right? <laughs> I love it. All right, Marcus, fire away. Your favorite embarrassing moment from grade school. <clears throat> Oh, in grade school. Uh, <laughs> this is horrible. This is the first thing that came <laughs> to mind, so I'm going to say it. I was a ballet dancer, and um, this boy in, class, in school who was kind of my friend, he had made a bet with somebody else that they could crack a, an egg on my butt because <laughs> I was really athletic. And I felt this crack on the back of my butt without even thinking. I whipped around and slapped him in the face. I was like, awesome. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's epic. In front of everybody too, right? Yeah, it was in the hall. It was in the hall between classes. I was getting in my locker and I was like, what? And then I saw who it was. I was so embarrassed because I actually knew him. He was my friend. Then I didn't know whether to be pissed off or 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 embarrassed and thought it was a compliment or whatever. He kept trying to say, it's a compliment. I said, I'm not taking this as a compliment. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. Everybody gets bit about when uh, a punch, when a punch lands real solid, you can hear it in the tone, and, it, and it's effective <laughs> just in the sound. But there is nothing more effective or will get your attention when a hand slap from yeah. a lady goes real nice across that cheek, bro. <laughs> 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 it's like it, sounds like you've it sounds like you've experienced that a few times. <laughs> I no, knew you were going to get busted yeah, on that one. Yeah, I've seen dudes get slapped. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, All right, Wizard. What, in your very extensive experience, is the most impressive or difficult event in gymnastics? I believe it's balance beam, which is why I love coaching it, because uh-huh. it really is four inches wide. It's, it's smaller than a, than a curved side and um it's four feet high and when i i've only been up there twice in my life just walking on it you feel like you're 10 feet high so what they do on that is ridiculous and you when you think about it you've got all this adrenaline pumping through you look who i'm talking to about this you guys know this better than anybody but you got all this adrenaline pumping through you've got to be able to to quiet the noise and zero in on those four inches and if you play soft you will fall. So you've got to be hmm. aggressive and controlled aggression with each of your skills. I got a quick yeah. question on that. So is that the rub when you're, this is totally off. I've always wondered about this, about balance beam, because when we, because the tumbling is not the issue, I wouldn't think, because everything they can do is convincing their mind that, that even though the, the beam is elevated off the ground now, as opposed to sitting on it, that somehow throws everything off. You know what I mean? It's uh, the same thing right. with heights and a curb. Like you'll uh, jump on a curb all day right. long, but if that curb was 10 feet off the ground, you yeah. wouldn't hit it like that. And it's all that the height right. mentality. The well, your vis- your visual once once your visual you know cognition triggers your limbic system right in the differential between the the height. You can't stop that. It's you're, you're That's what I was asking. Is that, is that the hardest yeah. thing to train out of them? Is the is to get get away from that height part because that's what throws you off, right? Right. Yeah. Because they start on baby beam, so they start learning skills on a beam that's about six inches off the floor. 
and then you just hmm, take them up go. to a medium-sized beam and the high beam. And, and once the mats are taken away out from underneath them on the high beam, it really is. It, it tricks your mind. And um, that's why I love, love, love coaching that event because it's all mental. Yeah. Well, I, I tell that's you. That's the event that I see, watch. It makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you ever watch oh. them from the end, you watch Balance from the end, they are rarely straight. Their feet, like sometimes they'll stay on the beam. They've only got one toe on the beam, and they'll just will themselves back onto the beam. Well, I, I got to tell you, while <laughs> while I was doing research, uh, I ended up watching uh, Miss Peng Peng Lee uh, get that ten point oh for your your seventh national championship, and I, I don't, I, I, you're just, you're, you're, I'm just dumbfounded that she, what she was able to do on that was insane. But you know what? When you watch her, I always use Pang as the example. When you watch Pang Pang Lee on beam, she's, she surfs the beam, wow. meaning she's rarely straight on a beam. But she's so confident up there that it doesn't matter how off she is. She'll just get herself back on, and she just keeps moving. You know, she doesn't even have to. I always talk to the athletes about hit your refresh button, hit, hit mm-hmm. the refresh button. And, and her refresh button is just so automatic and it's constantly whirling that she's just surfing up and down that beam. That's so cool. Yeah, that's, that's a good so way cool. of saying that. Just yeah, right? Imagine the beam is you're on the water. Totally. The shift in. And, and flow with it. I love it. All right. Next question. If, if, what, if you had to pick a song that would be the theme music for your life, what song would it be? <laughs> Uh, don't you want to dance? Say you want to dance. Don't you want to dance? Boom, boom. Don't you want to dance? Don't you want to dance? Don't you want to dance? <laughs> I want to dance First with person. somebody. <laughs> yeah, whenever that's the answer. No matter who you are, you'll, everyone will get quiet, right? Yeah, you know, and their head starts <laughs> bouncing. And a couple of songs, everyone will shut up for on that one. It's just it's yep. the, the tone, the rhythm in that gets there. That man it gets it going. It's cool. I love it. Awesome. All right, Marcus, fire away. <laughs> Okay, your favorite superhero? Superhero, Khaleesi. <laughs> oh, yes! That's three answers in a row on that one. It's solid. Oh, my God. I never would have dreamed you were going to pull that out. I, I'm a brand new Game of Thrones watcher, and I, I'm right there with you. Like, I, I have four daughters. And I'm there, like, I'm not promoting Wonder Woman or anything. I'm like, be like Khaleesi. She's got be dragons. Like Right? She's got dragons. Queen of dragons. (laughs) I love it. That's so awesome. All right, Wizard, last question. Ooh, I got to go back. No, let's let's go with this one. If you were never a coach or involved in gymnastics or dance, what do you imagine you would have done with your life? Great question. That is a great question. It would be, you you guys can tell me what it would be, okay? I'm really good at bossing people around. (laughs) <laughs> so, like, as a director, I'm, I'm really good at just organizing people, getting them motivated and telling them what to do. But I also want to wear really pretty dresses and high heels. So I love costumes. So what type of a person is that? What type Khaleesi. of person? Khaleesi. Khaleesi. <laughs> that nick- that's going to be your nickname on the, uh, on the team now. What is Khaleesi? I was going to say, I was... I was going to say a general, but they, their style sucks. So I was going to go with the Marine Corps drill instructor until the dresses thing came out, which makes it more difficult. Yeah, although she can change the style. I mean, yeah, the Marine man. Corps needs to be a little bit uh, 
more uh, 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 extravagant, Maybe I think. politics. Yeah. yeah. Keep them guessing, you know? Exactly. 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 Like, we'll, we'll get, like, uh, we'll, we'll, who's some, we'll get, like, a, a Bill Blast dress that's camouflaged for you. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> that would be beautiful. Yep. I could do it. I love I it. I could rock it well and boss people around. Yep. Uh, well, I it. I tell you what, uh, I, I, I'm I'm willing to bet that if we went back and interviewed all all the all the 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 young women that went through now women that in their lives, I wouldn't. I guess they would never say it was bossing them around at all. Yeah, that's a misconception that a lady can't drop the hammer and be in charge and run stuff. You see that around here all the time. They oh, wear yeah. those elegant dresses and will lock you down. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, well, well. That's the mad eleven minutes. Uh, thank you so much for your honesty and your great answers. We appreciate it. Um, but the reason why uh, we have people coming from around the world uh, to join us on this show is is for the the wisdom that our guests bestow upon them so graciously. And we like to imagine that everybody is 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 going through their never quit moment or has gone through one or is coming out of one or is preparing for their next one. So, Miss Val, if you would, yeah. would you please give us and our listeners your greatest never quit story or stories? Okay. I have two that pop into my head. The first one is, uh, I don't know if, you guys, I'm sure you know this. You did your homework. Um, I've been mm-hmm. the head coach at UCLA for 29 years, and I was the assistant coach before that for eight years, but I've never done gymnastics. I was a ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. And they hired me, and they gave me a full scholarship in 1982 to be their dance coach, and <clears throat> I just loved it, loved it, loved it. And then 1990, I was called into the athletic director's office, and they said, we're going to be making a change with our head coach, and we want you to be the new head coach. And I literally guffawed and laughed in their face and said, (laughs) you know, I don't know the first thing about gymnastics. And I thought they were nuts. And they said, you know what? We have observed how you work with student athletes. We like that relationship that you have with them. You're tough and firm, but you are compassionate. And I trust you'll figure the rest out. And that's all I got. Roger that. <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> I was like, I okay, have- can I have some more? <laughs> yep, that's all I got. So I did what I thought was prudent, and I studied head coaches that were successful. Now, in my mind, because I didn't grow up in the, the world of athletics, a coach, a stereotypical coach was which kind of what you were talking about being a general, just tough minded, unwavering, um, dictatorial, had really saucy quips that were meant to hurt and sting. And I figured I grew up on stage so I could mimic being a coach. And I'm not, I don't understand why I chose Bobby Knight to mimic, but that's kind of who I <laughs> role modeled after. The egoist. <clears throat> the egoist, exactly. You've done your homework. Um, yes, ma'am. So I, the, the first year I just acted like a coach and we did horribly. And so I figured, you know what? I can do this better. So I, I acted better and I was meaner and tougher and totally unwavering. No, I took all the fun out of learning and out of coaching. 
And we did even worse. We didn't even make it to the national championships the second year. So I literally was on my way to athletic director's office to say, I told you so. I, I, I suck at this and I'm going to resign. And on my way to her office, I was going through the student store and I picked up one of Coach Wooden's books. Yes. <clears throat> and it opened up to his definition of success. Now, why didn't I study and mimic Coach Wooden? The only answer I really have for that is because he was so mild-mannered when he wasn't on the court that I didn't feel like he fit the stereotype of a coach, even though he was hailed as the greatest coach that ever lived. Yep. So anyway, the book opens up to his definition of success, and it says simply, success is peace of mind in knowing you have done your best. And at that moment, I realized I had been trying to be somebody else. Yeah. And it, like, it all clicked for me. Whenever you, try, whenever you try to be somebody else, you will always be a second-rate them. And the worst part about it, it prevents you from being a first-rate you. So I didn't resign. I went back to my office, and I thought, what the heck do I bring to the table? As, as the head coach of one of the premier athletic teams in the country that I've never done the sport in. And I thought, okay, I had 17 years of classical ballet training. I know how to work through pain. I know how to set a goal and prepare for that goal, which was our, our um, performance season that started with Nutcracker every year. I know what it's like to be a young woman and have to go through puberty and get in a leotard every day. I know about body shaming issues. I know about disordered eating. I know about all these things that are intrinsic to sports like ours where you have to be in a leotard and you're judged by how you look. But most of all, I knew how to prepare well enough mentally, emotionally, and physically so that when I was standing in the wings, I was calm, excited, and confident. Wow. And I knew at that moment I could teach, I could prepare our student-athletes to be calm, confident, and excited while they were standing in their, their wings is that they're standing there waiting for the judge to salute them to get up on the event. I knew I could do that part of the job better as well, if not better than anybody else in the country. I just had to find people to do everything I didn't know how to do, which was the actual gymnastics part of it, um, which I did and did well. And at that moment is when I started really feeling inspired in my work. And about two or three years later, one of my seniors said to me, Miss Val, you have finally become a leader worth following. Wow. And I just, wow. And I looked, I know. And I looked at her and she said, you're believable because you're being true to who you are and not trying to be somebody else. Holy cow. That's amazing. That old saying when the, uh, yeah, when the teacher is ready, the students will appear. I mean, Talking about how you never did gymnastics, but being in ballet, I mean, that's, that's perfection on a, on a scale that, that most people can't achieve. That's why you guys are so unique. And um, coaches are trained by their athletes. We all, he, when you're Absolutely. young and you're, you're not in the leadership role, you're like, oh, I could do I would do it this way. But when we get in there, we never remember how, what we were talking about. And, and you kind of, the first couple of days in that, when you get, because it goes from being one of the guys to, or one of the girls still, boom, now you're kind of running them. And, uh, you kind of emulate what was over the top of you throughout the years. Like you try and be a yelling coach or, uh, you know, uh, 
talk down right. to people. And when you're trying to be a coach that you're not, it makes it even worse because you don't know if you're getting your point across and people are looking at you if it didn't make sense until you got to kind of step back. And you nailed that perfect. I mean, you're just talking about, hey, look, I'm, I'm kind of, it's not that I rank anybody. It's just I got to deal with this kind of stuff and, and all the crap that comes with this, this sport and this uh, gift that we're allowed to do. And instead of sitting there and preaching at them, telling them what they're doing wrong, like, hey, man, we're learning this together. What I can do right. is evaluate you from the eyes on the outside looking at you saying, I, I know that they want this, so let's straighten that up a little bit. And then you figure it out together. And, th and then the, right. the reminder that you learned it with them, then the reminder with them is you're not coming down on them. You know, you're just reminding them of what y'all learned together. And all the, all the bad stuff that comes with being a woman in the gymnastics and the eating disorder and all that stuff – Man, that that those life lessons that you, that that y'all go through um, are critical because that's what no one pays attention to. They just see the gymnastics part of it and think, "Man, look how great they are." They don't know about the practice and the hours and yeah, hours of intensity that go, goes into that. And, and then, and, and, <clears throat> the second story is um, three years ago, June ninth, twenty fourteen. I uh, I get the call that I've got a very aggressive form of breast cancer, and. The only other time I dealt with cancer in our life, my life was with my mom who had died about 20 years prior to a very horrific, painful death, colon cancer. And mm -hmm. my mind just went numb and I went into battle mode. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to fight this with everything I've got. And it's going to be an experience like I've never, ever experienced. And at that moment, I heard be anxious for nothing and grateful for all things. And I thought it was really weird. You know, I don't know where, how you translate that, whether it's cosmic energy or the universe or what, however you translate mm -hmm. hearing that, but I translated it and I knew it was God telling me, be anxious for nothing and grateful for all things. So I went home and I told my husband the not so great news about the breast cancer and then I told him, I said, you know, I, I heard this, be anxious for nothing and grateful for all things. And he looked at me and he said, well, that's from the Bible. I had never read the Bible. I grew up Greek Orthodox. It was in Greek. I didn't read Greek. Um, and he says, go look it up. And I did. And it's right there in Philippians 4, 6. And my world stopped because I heard this before I ever read it. Wow. And that, I know, and I knew it was a commandment and I, and I knew I would obey the commandment. I just didn't know how I was not going to be anxious when you're diagnosed with a potentially fatal disease. And I went to my oncologist the next day and she had this big smile on her face and she said, had you gotten diagnosed with cancer, with this type of cancer 10 years earlier, we had absolutely nothing for you. Oh, if you choose, this was the, the great question, the great opportunity, the choice. If you choose to get chemotherapy and surgery, chemo, chemo for a full year and surgery, I know it's going to work. And at that moment, I understood the commandment. How I was not going to be anxious was through gratitude. I didn't mm. have to get chemotherapy. I got to get chemotherapy because I live at a time that has the chemo. Wow. And that moment shifted, like, 
going through, I, I know a lot of people have said this, going through something traumatic like that has changed their life for the better. Going through breast cancer has only changed my life for the better because that understanding of just switching that one word have to, to get to, I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work. I don't have to get chemotherapy. I get to, I didn't have to have a double mastectomy. I got to have one. I live at a time that science has this available, available to me and I live in a country that I can get it. And guess what? I have a job that's going to help me pay for it. Wow. So I called it my chemo spa. Every other Thursday, I went to my chemo spa. That's a perfect way to describe that. (laughs) That's so awesome. I'm going to steal that one, I think. (laughs) Because you go to a a spa to get better. That's where I was going. And some of my student athletes would say, Ms. Val, you don't have to put such a positive spin on it. We know you're going to get chemo. I said, yeah, I get to go get chemo. How cool is that? So I literally looked forward to going because I knew it was going to make me better. Wow, we, that that attitude you got about man, I, you know, chemotherapy it just God created the person that created that to help me in this time frame. That's that's exactly how I look at life too. It, it's just a gift to go do something as a result of the thing that put me in it, and uh, yeah. it's uh, it's a test. And it, life's life's a game. We play it how uh, the best way we can, and we get through it the best way we can. And it makes it easier when you got people uh, around you, and in the right. capacity. The, the great part about being in the teaching realm in the college is that you get a new batch of, of the same age recruits with that race car frame on every season, right? So you get to see the pinnacle right. of what the next generation is. It's the, the next version of us, right? So, which is right. hopefully better. It's interesting you said that about the generations mm-hmm. because, and I'm sure you've had other people tell you this, but this generation that we're teaching, <clears throat> the iGen, they're the only generation that's never been with an iPhone. They really are different. It's, I've had to really struggle and, and brainstorm with our coaching staff as to how to motivate them to want to be better and the best versions of themselves they can be. And the biggest obstacle we have is getting them off of their phone. And a very simple example of that is... I always have an open door policy with my, my office and for the majority of my career in the afternoon, my office is filled with our student athletes that just stop by on their way back from class. You know, they're going from class back to the dorms. I'll stop by Miss South's office because it's, there's always, it's a social happening. There's always people in there. There's always, people know it's a happy place and we talk about life. We don't talk about gymnastics. We just talk about, and philosophize about life and get them to think about things they haven't deeply thought about yet as an 18-year-old. And I was saying to my coach the other day, my assistant coach, I said, you know what, is it me? Am I just getting old and they don't want to hang out with me? Or they don't come by the office anymore. Nobody just drops by. And my assistant coach said, because they're not bored. Because they get out of class, immediately they start checking all of the Instagram and all the tweets and all the Facebook stuff that they've missed And that, as we know, is an endless cycle. So Mm -hmm. they're not thinking, oh, I'll stop by Ms. Val's office because I got a half an hour on my hands. Because now that half an hour is filled with scrolling. And it's it's really sad to me. I was telling uh, one of my alumni that, and she said the most important thing she learned in college, she learned in my office in those impromptu chats. And that's the 
biggest obstacle we've got is getting them to, to think and be interested in something of substance. Ms. Val, mm-hmm. one of the things that I always see you constantly talking about is, you know, your definition of coaching, which is, you know, to motivate change mentally, emotionally, then leads to physically. And you're always trying to develop the person, the individual, to prepare them for life. And and I know that that comes from John Wooden. He always wants to push his people to the maximum performance that they can do, to be their best, their best selves, right? Right. To, to, to go on into what you're talking about, can you talk a little bit about, because in Chapter 12 of your book, which is, is I'm just getting into it, and it seems phenomenal. I'm going to dig in. It's life is short. Don't wait to dance. Chapter 12, you call it unplugging from fear. And you talk about the fear of missing out and the fear of other people's opinions. Mm-hmm. Can you? And, and I think that's in relation to what you're talking about with this new I generation. How do, mm-hmm. you, uh, how do you address this to really pull out the best of your your athletes when they're constantly plugged into this potential fear? Uh, The only way that I have had success in doing this, and it's uh, uh, Michael Gervais coined the FOPO. You know, FOMO is fear of missing out, and FOPO is fear of other people's opinions. And the only thing I have found to be successful is not to try to get them off their phones. That simply doesn't work. And to explain to them, you know, we literally have broken it down to how many minutes they stay on their phones because girls stay on their phones an average of eight hours a day and boys stay on their phones an average of six. And and for 13, for 13 year olds, you add another three to four hours to that. It's crazy. Yeah. So when they're exhausted and overwhelmed and stressed out because of school and gym and this and that, I'm like, you know, there's a very simple solution here. Put your phone away. And, but what I have found that works instead of trying to get them to subtract the phone from their life is to add, I got them, I get them hooked on Ted talks because they're, they're short. So their attention span, you know, they can handle it. And I tell them, go look up anything you want. Go look up fear failure. Go look up sex. Go look up eating disorders. Go look up how to make, how to make, lemonade. Go, you can look up anything in a TED Talk. Just go look it up. And every student athlete I've had go to TED Talks, I, I'm telling you their lives change because they get over their fear of missing out and fear of other people's opinions because they no longer care because they're interested in what they've been listening to on their TED Talks. One of my wow. greatest examples of that is Caitlin Ohashi. She, uh, if you guys are in the gymnastics world at all, her floor routine went viral last year, over 100 million views on wow. her Michael Jones floor routine. <clears throat> and when she came in, she was just floundering and just put on a ton of weight and wasn't able to do the gymnastics she was recruited to do. And just, you know, not, there was no substance in her life. And I said, Caitlin, and I gave her the TED Talk speech, and she literally came in the next day and the entire time she was supposed to be training beam, <laughs> she was sitting on the beam telling me about the TED Talks that she'd listened to. And since that time, that was when she was a sophomore. She's a senior now. She's gotten extremely involved with the homeless. Wow. She's, her poetry writing is 
extremely deep and poignant on body shaming, on broken families, how they're not really broken, how you can just make your family and it doesn't mean we're broken. She's, I just found out that we have homeless students at UCLA and she's working with them. It's called Bruin Shelter and she's working with them to help raise money to get them lunches. Wow. Um, her whole life changed because she, she ignited her brain with something else besides social media. Yeah, I, I saw I mentor kids in the beginning, the guys coming out of the Division One colleges going into the NFL every year, and I've, I've been doing it for about 13 years now, and and that's what you said is true. This the last two generations, you noticed because they're with us, we're 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 unique because Gen X, we're a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new, and then further into that, the guys. They're absolutely on their phones all the time. And I kind of broke it down like, okay, look, when we're training in here and you're doing all your drills, you don't have that phone on you. So after we get done training all the drills, your mind literally needs to understand what just happened, what you just put, what your body just put it through. And if you plug something else in there other than what you're doing, it won't, your, your body won't compensate and, um, and kind of tack down what you just learned so i i I broke it down like hey look you got to look at like man all the other athletes who are competing against you are on their phone all right so and they're not only that they're probably talking smack about you and you're just reading all that when you get away from that man they don't have the ability to touch you and you're actually training an extra hour than they are when they get out and they unplug I like to say, man, they have way too much information and not enough life experience. So they throw the wrong emotion out sometimes on a situation that doesn't call for it. Right. At the right. very least, I was like, hey, if you if you have to get on that phone right after we get done doing drills, have somebody film you with your phone doing your drills so you can look at it and critique yourself. And that's what you're plugging into, the training right. part of it. And I don't even, I mean, literally when they come in, you just like, hey, phones, you get it back when, when, when I'm done with you. All right. Yeah. And. And it's just kind of like breaking the well, the, and the habit. Heard, and you you've heard you know about the greats who just are true students of their sport. There's no way Peyton Manning was getting on his phone hmm. after workout. He was going and studying film, and not just of of quarterbacks, but of the entire scheme, the entire offensive scheme. There's no way Tom Brady's finishing a workout getting on his phone. No, he's the greatest right, of all time. Yeah. Live a different life. Like that. What kind of athlete do you want to be? How hard in the paint do you want to train and make yourself? Because the further you step away from that, uh, not looking, and I'm not talking about helpful videos and, and what I'm talking about the junk they plug in. The more in time you spend with just your mind and body and the, whatever it is you're training in, the more proficient you're going to get at it. It ha- the, the, right. Those have to have the same amount of time. Right. And that's, that's really when you start to see them blossom is when, and I talk about it in my book, the circle of life, you know, one thing leads to another and it usually starts with a good night's sleep and mm-hmm. how that can just spiral downward. If, if you don't, you know, you choose to go out to Westwood with hot guy, hot football guy, and you don't get in until one in the morning and then you're having to get up at five thirty and get to the training room to get to the gym and you're you're tired and you're probably setting yourself up to get injured. And then you go to class and you're not wake, awake enough to pay attention. And then you're thinking, Oh God, you know, I've got to go to my tutoring. And, and it's just this downward spiral and you're not fueling yourself. You're not eating right. Cause you haven't prepared. You forgot to pick up the lunch that the, our nutritionist packs for you because you're, I mean, it's just bad. And when they start making positive choices in their lives as in, and it starts with put the phone away at 10 PM and just start winding down. 
And I don't care. They go, I can't go to sleep at 10 p.m. I said, I don't, yeah, I didn't say I'd go to sleep. Just start winding down. Just read something. Just get off your phones. And that one thing, that one little thing, will set a positive circle of life into motion. Uh, that's, oh, yeah. that's genius. Sure. What, I, what I'd like to do now, Ms. Val, is, is back your circle up, right? Back to that time where you became the head coach. And, and I, I was, there's this incredible video that you give where you talk about the four different types of coaches at this coaches uh, um, event that you did. And, and can you back up and walk us through the process of how you became the coach you became, if you would? I remember very clearly early on in my head coaching career, maybe my second or third year, walking from the parking lot into the athletic department and thinking, how many millions of dollars are spent in our athletic department on 24 sports for the purpose of bragging rights? Because all sport is about being able to say, ha-ha, we beat you. Ha-ha, we beat you. (laughs) And then I thought, how many gazillions of dollars are spent from peewee football to college to the NFL to the Olympic Games on bragging rights? Then, I mean, don't even get into world soccer, you know, lives being lost because they lost a game. Um, And at that moment, it clicked that I don't have that DNA in me, that win-at-all-cost DNA. I didn't grow up with it. It's not in me. So why am I going to do this job? And it was really, really, really clear that besides the military, I believe that athletics is the greatest venue to learn really tough life lessons that you don't learn in the classroom. Mm. So I, at that moment, got clarity that I was going to use every day that we have in the gym, train really tough life lessons like perseverance. Um, working within a team, following a game plan, even when you don't feel well, and learning how to finish. I'm going to teach those lessons, and I'm going to develop these superheroes as people. And because I get to work at UCLA and we get to recruit some of the most talented athletes in the world, if I can develop them as whole superhero human beings, that will translate to the competition floor. And I literally went into my athletic director's office and I said, I'm just going to tell you my philosophy of coaching. If you want win at all costs, then I'm going to retire. I'm going to resign and go somewhere else. And I said, I don't believe in win at all costs. We will win um, some championships, but I'm the only thing I'm concerned with is developing them into these magnificent humans. And my athletic director said, 100% 100% supportive. Amen to that. Go do your job. Awesome. Higher level purpose stuff right there. Awesome. Now, mm-hmm. one of the questions that like that always pops up in my head anytime I get a chance to be around coaches of your caliber, I always I always ask, you know, how did you develop your methodology? Like we had Tony LaRusso on many consider the greatest, you know, major league baseball manager of all time and he was he's a strong advocate of reading and and not just reading mm-hmm. but reading reading about great leadership from all walks of life or and studying and 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 getting to know other people from other 
other sports. Did did you do the same as well? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm a voracious reader. I love love reading about leadership books and um I love reading how how uh different coaches are true to their styles. Um you know, I I related really well to the Pete Carroll type of coaching yeah. where, you know, that's the that's let's work really hard and have a lot of fun doing it. Um, and yet I know I have heard that Nick Saban's athletes just totally respect and love him. They do. And he's the opposite type of persona that, that, uh, Pete Carroll is. Um, and that's why I kept it, that kept reinforcing me, do me, just do me. And sadly, um, it, it wasn't until I got breast cancer that I finally gave myself permission to be myself on the competition floor because up until then, and this was just four years ago, up until then, when I would get on the competition floor, I would posture the affect of a head coach because I didn't mm. want my athletic director, I didn't want our fans to think that I didn't take my job seriously. And then I get breast cancer and I you know, you realize in something like that, that we all have an expiration date. We just don't know when ours is. And I thought, I'm not wasting one day living my true self. And so whenever music is on, I'm dancing. And that <laughs> includes the competition floor. You and dance so- more than your athletes do. I'm telling you, every video I've seen of one of your athletes coming <laughs> off the floor, finish, you're dancing more than they are. It's awesome. I am. So you'll love this. Two years ago, uh, we finished fourth at the national championships, and I had a coach, a male coach, come up to me and say, in all his wisdom, say, uh, I really think that you guys would do better if you didn't have as much fun. Mm. And what? I said, Okay. <laughs> Um, hmm. who has the most fun on our team? Do you think? And I said, would you agree? It's paying. He goes, yeah. I said, well, she just got a 10 on the biggest stage in collegiate athletics on the national championship floor. She got a 10 on beam. Who has the second most fun? Caitlin Ohashi. Okay. Well, she just PR'd on all of her events. Okay. And we went through our team and I said, let me tell you the two girls that bombed this, uh, this national championship. Those are the ones that don't ever have fun. They don't let themselves have fun. So we do the hard, hard work during the week, and then we celebrate that in competition. And then this last year, we won the national championship just having a ball, and the same coach came up to me. (laughs) He said, I'm a jackass. I don't know what I'm talking about. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Humility. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I said, you know what? It's not that you don't know what you're talking about. You do you, and I'll do me. And you don't try to be me because you dance on the sidelines would not be effective. <laughs> Probably not. You make that environment that's effective, but when it's fun to be around, I mean, as soon as your athletes are done doing whatever it is in school, they're, they're hall butt. I mean, just like you said, they'll spend more time over there. If, if they know they're going in and it's going to not only be hard, but it's going to be miserable, then that, that completely takes the whole concept away, away from what we're trying to do with, right. with athletes. And you look at any team mm-hmm. – any sport, any team, when they're in the zone and clicking, they've got smiles on their faces. They're skipping off the sideline. You know, that's when you're in the zone. 
Yeah, trying to tell them, hey, look, go out there and if you were playing uh, in the lot with your boys, flag, or tackle football in, on the, in the lot when you're out there. And you know how much you do those crazy throws and everybody makes these crazy catches because you're having a blast, right? And, and when right. you're having a good time, man, you're not thinking about, uh, we're here, we're this, it's miserable, I got hit, I got tackled, or I, I fell. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, if you're going to stand up, you're going to fall down. If you're going to flip on that, there's going to be times where that's going to happen. That's that's part of it, and if you, the the test is if you notice that, and then f- and then work on making it better, and not focus on the miserable part of it that you screwed up. It's kind of like, hey, it's over. Right. We we're past that one. Let's move past it. And in, in our realm, the way we do business is, as soon as you class up, man, you start training. They just take, they just wear us out to where there's nothing left. I mean, it's just your mind takes over. And, it, and at that point, when you start training, it's just muscle memory. And then you hone in on, on the basics. And if you get good right. at the basics when you're worn out, you are going to be magnificent out of the gate when you have all of your energy. And as you start to wear out, you go back to the basics, which if you practice those, man, that's what keeps you in line and it keeps you effective. And you outlast. Right. That, that's what it's about, outlasting your right. opponent. And right. then when you wear out, man, that's, that's what, how it goes right. down. What you are describing is how Pang trained. And the energy that you saw her compete with is what she trained with every single day. That was her default. Her default awesome. was a big skills, uh, concentrated effort, but with a release. She, she, she released her brilliance every single turn she took in the gym. And that became her default. And so it was no big surprise. I mean, how many athletes in any sport do you know finish as she did? Her two events she competed in in college, she finished with 10s on both of them. How many athletes get to go out like that? Very few. Uh, How many? Very. Very. I mean, you look at someone as, as, as dedicated and talented to the game as Peyton Manning was and you know sadly he didn't have his best game on that last night but it and and it's what you're talking about because when your mind gets overloaded and and all these stressors and noise come in for you to be able to go to your default which are your basics and they just naturally kick in that's that's what's going to save you that's what saves you Mm -hmm. miss val i want to ask you do you encourage the same type of um you know this being having a good time and and allowing that to get yourself into a flow state during competition. Do you promote that in practice as well? Or is there more? Yeah, but it's, it's really done uh, with music. We, we train at seven 45 in the morning. And as I said, they're in a training room by like six or so. So it's an early day and most of them are kind of dragging as they come in. As soon as we start working out and they start warming up, that music is pumping. And they get ignited by the music. If they stop Mm -hmm. working hard, if they stop dialing into their cues, if they start doing sloppy drills, the music goes off. That's like the worst punishment they can have. (laughs) Well, and then what happens? What do you do after that? And then I'm like, let's go back to the beginning. beginning. Start all over again. Start all over. Warm it up all over again. And when you do your jumps across the floor, you're pushing through every joint in your body instead of, you know, floppy feet and bent knees. Here we go. Let's start all over again. And then once they dial it in and they start kicking it in, we, we can put the music back on. They can start having fun. 
Because in the competition, in gymnastics competitions, there's mm-hmm. always something going on. There's always a team on floor, and that music is loud. And there's always teams screaming at you. So you can't hear much on the competition floor. You can't hear your coaches cheering for you or, or coaching you. You can't hear anything. Um, <clears throat> so that's how we train with that type Trains of fight. intensity. Yeah. I- One thing I do... I think I do very well is I don't expect perfection. And so if I'm coaching an athlete and I want them to go bigger and I want them to release their skills, if they do that and they fall, they immediately look at me like they're upset and they're expecting me to get upset. And I'll have this big grin on my face. I'm like, that was awesome. And they say, Miss Sally fell. I'm like, yeah, I saw that, but you went big. Like you made a change. You at least had the courage to do something different. Hmm. That was great. Let's do it again. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't make them feel bad when they make mistakes. Yeah, if you were perfect, you wouldn't need a coach. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're still learning. We're learning every day. And unfortunately, sometimes you got to learn when everyone's looking. And that's, right. kinda, that's, that's the, the, what you're learning in that one is that you can fall. And you still can't in front of people. And it shouldn't embarrass you because that's part, right. that's part of all of it. Well, I... I talk to our student-athletes a lot about their, when, they're, when they're competing, it's not about them. You know, athletics and sports is entertainment. It's a form of entertainment. We are vying for people's dollars to, to buy tickets to sit in the stands. So when we make it all about ourselves, we're losing the real reason why we're doing this. And the majority of our fan base are young girls. And... I tell our student athletes that when you get upset with yourself, when you fall, what you're telling them is that they can't feel good about themselves unless they're successful every single time they do it. If you hmm. fall and then just kind of brush it off and put a smile on your face and go up to the next, your next teammate and fist pump her and say, you got this, that's teaching them the, the reality of sport versus this illusion of perfection. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Exactly. Just before we move off of anything, we're already kind of there and talking about, you know, messing up or failure. And one of the questions that I like, you know, to ask coaches is what do you do for an athlete after they've failed to gain that confidence back? Because particularly in something like gymnastics, when we were talking about the balance beam, I imagine that your mind can play serious tricks on you when you're about to commit flipping your body, you know, up above the floor several feet, how do you get, how do you reset that athlete? What do, what do you encourage, excuse me, what do you encourage them to do to get back in the game, so to speak? Well, I talk with them a lot, even while I'm recruiting them before they even get to us about this concept of failure. And I don't believe it, it exists. Um, and I tell them that failure is just another F word that somebody made up to make us feel badly about ourselves. Um, and I explain to them, I, I, I tell them, I'm going to prove to you failure doesn't exist. When you are up on balance beam and you're doing <clears throat> a backflip and you fall, instead of thinking, I can't believe I did that, or I suck, or I'm no good at this, or my coach is going to get mad, if you will start to think, okay, what, what did I not do? What I didn't push through my legs. I didn't set my hips. I didn't use my arms fully. As soon as you're learning mm-hmm. something, it can't be failure. 
because learning something takes you that much closer to your goal. So when they fall, even if they have a horrific fall, and balance beam is, is probably the worst when they crash, and they get up, and I go, and instead of, you know, rushing over, even to like a little kid, when a little kid falls, you don't make it dramatic. You go, you okay? Okay, let's move on. And I'll just go up to them and I'll go, you okay? And they're like, yeah. And I'll go, okay. Okay, so what could you have done better not to make that happen? And they're like, Miss Val, my, my brain just froze right before I went. Okay, so what are we going to do about that? Um, and you don't make it about the fault. You, you make it about a learning process. There is no such thing as failure. It doesn't exist. And so when you, wow. when you brush that philosophy out of your mind, then everything we do in life is a learning process of what I shouldn't do or what mm-hmm. I did that was good. Um, and I think that, that one thing that I had going for me when I first started coaching that I've maintained, and you touched on this a few minutes ago, is um, that I was able to grow up as a coach with my athletes. Um, mm-hmm. I still coach this way. I ask them a ton of questions. How did it feel? What were you thinking? How did it feel when you did that? What were you thinking right before you went? I ask them, I get them to analyze um, everything they do. I rarely mm-hmm. tell them what they did wrong. Or I'll take them over to the video board, the instant replay, and I'll say, what do you see? And get them to learn. Huh. I, I love that approach of that introspection on the individual level, right? Um, on to know your know thyself, right? That's great, Marcus. Yeah. I've got we've got one kind of final question for you before we wrap it up. Uh, you know, as you're moving into your final season, you've you've, you've come out and retired. What are what are what do you want to leave as your legacy? What do you want the girls, you know, and all those who you've come in contact, what do you want your legacy to be at UCLA and within uh, the epic sport of gymnastics? Um, I just want to impart on our student-athletes and our coaching staff this continuous memory and visual of the fact that I became one of the winningest coaches in our sport in very unorthodox, non-traditional ways but I did them true to myself and with, with 100% authenticity. And um, hopefully that model will impart and will embed in them and they will continue to live their lives true to who they are, regardless of what other people think or other people's opinions. And just to realize that the title of the book is really the my life mantra, life is short. Don't wait to dance. And obviously dance is a metaphor for whatever makes your heart sing. And, um, it's like Caitlin Ohashi, you know, she's one of the things that makes her heart sing is really helping those people in need. And she's volunteering in downtown LA on Wednesday nights to help babysit children whose parents have to go work or go to board meetings or do whatever and can't afford babysitters. Um, That makes her heart sing, and because of that, her gymnastics is mm. just through the roof. Um, and so I hope my legacy is, if Miss Val can do it, this dancer-choreographer in this world of athletics at such a high level, consistently, and that's the thing. It's like I'm not a one-hit wonder. This has happened consistently over, over three decades. That's then I hope they have the courage 
I hope I've instilled in them the courage for them to go about their lives uniquely and with authenticity because it sure is so much more fun than trying to be somebody else. Uh, that's awesome. Amen <laughs> to that. <Right>. Amen. <laughs> well, like well, a man, holistic coaching approach. Where can people buy the book, follow you, pay attention? What's going to happen? Follow the season. And where where can all our listeners go and start uh, hanging with Miss Val? <laughs> uh, my website is official Miss Val. If you go onto any social media, just type in Miss Val. I'll come up. Uh, the book is back in stock. It sold out much more quickly than. My publisher thought it would, and so we went a few dry weeks. I had people people messaging me upset (laughs) that that my book was sold out. I was like, and what do you want me to do about this? (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) But it's back in stores, Amazon. I even heard the other day it was in Target and Walmart now, and um, it's, you know, I am humbly proud that um, the responses that I've gotten from people such as yourselves, um, people that you know probably didn't know of Miss Val a few years ago or whatever, that are reading the book that have no connection to dance or gymnastics, are really finding nuggets of leadership wisdom in it that are easy to put in place every day. Because um, awesome. it's not a deep book. It's a very, very easy read. Um, it's written as I speak. And so it's not hard to follow. It's, and, um, I think there's people have told me that there's just these little nuggets that they can impart upon their employees. And so that's, that's really made it all worthwhile. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, Miss Val, uh, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, we just want to say thank you for coming on the show, for taking time out of your busy schedule. Yes, ma'am. But thank I you. think the most important thanks that we can give you is the profound impact on all the lives that you've come in contact with and really these incredible journeys you set forth with these individual athletes and their life experience. You really are uh, a master coach and, and the goat of your sport. So we, we can't thank you enough, ma'am. Thank you so much. And I believe that I, I mentioned this to all three of you actually, um, before we started taping, but I do want to say this with the most, my most heartfelt sincerity. I want to thank you all for what you have done for our country and I know this sounds a little trite, but it's not. I tell, I remind our student athletes of this every single morning to stop and give thanks to people like such as yourselves who have protected our freedoms so that we as young women can play sport and can be in leotards as we <laughs> compete in our sports. So thank you for your service. Um, it, it's something that we talk about every single day in our gym. Well. Thanks for letting us do it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Have a great day. You, you too, too, ma'am. God bless you. Bye bye. God bless you as well. Thank you. Bye bye. Take care. Wow, man, I love that woman. She's incredible. Okay, now to, for one of our sponsors. Marcus, what is the most powerful thing that you remember from downrange? The what? The lack of quality of... Oh, sleep? 
<laughs> How many hell holes did you sleep in? How many times did you well, find I, I, yourself you got, in the dirt? Find a pillow, roll you know, wherever you can. But um, oh, that's huge! You forego that. And I tell you what, when you when you get older, get married, and have kids, and like to be comfortable, that's the first thing you want. Is great, great batting. Well, guess what, Mojo and I—that was the only thing in our house that had to be uh, high speed. What's your batting? What's the batting? It had to be yeah, the top of the line <laughs> sheets. We would go all. He and I would go into Bed Bath and Beyond. Just me and him with the uh, shopping cart, and literally just find that thousand threads. You know, all that kind of. This is back before we've been out. The bedding is so high. The sleep technology is great, which oh. is great too, because now we're getting to that age where we like to to sleep in a bed with a soft you know, bedding and pillows and all that. But well, I tell you what, that bolster sleep pillow that I got, and I know you guys were saying you dug it too, man, yeah. is is unbelievable. And the bolster sleep company is dedicated to help you sleep well so you can live life more fully, because that's what we definitely need. We weigh our mission and our business equally. Listen, bolster. Uh, provides premium hybrid mattresses, which combine real springs with mid-layer of cooling foam for a much cooler sleeping experience. Now, I don't know about you all, but when I went to Afghanistan, something broke in my regulator, so I run hot. Do you run hot, bud? Yeah, raise your hand if you have a bed partner that likes several layers of uh, oh. of covers and you sweat like a pig. Oh! I, like, I like it real cold That's in the me. room. The colder it is outside, I'll even open the door, crank the fire <laughs> up, and it drives Melly crazy. Yeah, I, my, my lady burns hotter than I do, man. Yeah, yeah she's it, hotter than I do, which is the first time in history. This I, whole like heat wicking technology. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about those rare critical. meat sweat nights where your eyeballs are sweating. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, talking about? Oh I, yeah, I, the regular <laughs> sweat. I know what you're talking about. Eyelids are sweating. This is a good one, right? I tell you what, I could have used a bolster mattress last night after. After the meat sweats I had. All right. Bolster, Bolster's 10-cell fabric wicks away heat and moisture. It's meat sweat proof. <laughs> it is meat That's sweat the proof. End of the read. While individually <laughs> pocketed coils absorb movement so they can feel It'll people getting in and out sweats. of bed. Right? It keeps you cool through the meat sweats. There it <laughs> is right there. Bolster sleep <laughs> technology keeps uh, you yeah. cool through the meat sweats. Yeah. All right. Now, there's another component of this wizard, right? That you love most about I do. this country. Made Tell and us. manufactured. Not just designed, it is made and manufactured here in the United States. When they came to us and we found that out, that was a distinguishing factor because there were a few people that were thinking about advertising with us in this like this market segment. And and that was a cha- game changer for me. I put oh, a lot of weight in that. I, I, I know you do. And there's another aspect of this country and their mission statement that really hits home for me. And it says... We are passionate about our mission, providing high-quality, hybrid mattresses and bedding so that we can provide scholarships and funding to vocational vocational and technical schools around the world, right? And they do this down in Haiti, man. And I've done missionary work down in Haiti, and I'll tell you what, those people need all the help they can get. And Bolster, which is in the general vicinity of Houston, they're right around here, right near us, man. They are living this mission to the T. Now, here you go. If you make the switch to a restful night's sleep today at bolstersleep.com, and use the promo code TNQP, you will get $125 off a mattress or adjustable adjustable bed. And it is Christmas time, and everybody wants a new mattress for Christmas. I know it. Everyone. Again. Particularly the meat sweaters. Particularly the meat sweaters. That's bolstersleep.com. 
Promo code, Marcus. Meat sweats. <laughs> no. Promo code TN. Oh, oh TQP. <laughs> Promo code TN. I thought we were still doing the meat sweats. Then. <laughs> we My just got fired. Right there, Promo code TQP, and you get that 125 off. All right, let's move on. Are you on. going through withdrawals? Are you suffering from the meat sweats? If so. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. Welcome back to the TNQ podcast. Marcus, when you hear a person like Miss Val come on and, you know, the obvious thing when you first hear how does a ballerina or ballet dancer coach women's gymnastics, you you know, you're you're faced with this judgmental dilemma. I mean, you automatically go, well, that doesn't work. But then your next, well, why? And then you see seven NCAA championships, three decades as one of the top coaches in the game. Well, you know, what do you, it's insane, right? How does that work? Yeah, you know, when guys come into buds who already know how to shoot and swim and they're the ones that always go away. And it's kind of, the, you see that with the coaches. And she said it too. She goes, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about, or I never did, not that I didn't know anything. I just didn't know, uh, I, I never participated in this particular sport. Men sometimes those make the, the best coaches because not like she said she tried to emulate one that she wasn't and you saw that it backfired but if you can stand back and the ones that come in to be the coach they're their own way they're like this is my way or the highway and, and you, you see what kind of coach they are but the ones that didn't have that background that didn't play in it they uh, and they watch everybody else and take the best part from each of it and assimilate it into themselves see what sticks what doesn't what produces what doesn't mm-hmm. and uh, just her, her openness to the biggest part is she said, look, I, I don't know anything about this. At least she didn't say, I, yeah. I, you know, I, get, I got this. I, yeah, I got it, right? <laughs> straight up. And then uh, learn from her mistakes. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do. Yeah. Amen. And, or, Those point, failures I, that yeah, she failure. doesn't even qualify as failure, right? Oh, no, there's no such thing, no, really. The, no such thing. No such thing. I agree with that one. The great part that shows she, that she's like this is that every generation changes. They don't want to be the one, like the one before them, right? They try to outdo them and... and so the motivation, that part she talked about, and her her uh, ability to oh, corral all those alphas. Yeah, oh, totally. And then show totally. each one of them enough attention to where they don't get, that's got to be tough in itself. Oh, well, at that age, man, if you're not getting any attention, you're wondering why, right? And um, it's not one of those deals where, like we are, like, hey, don't tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Because if you just, she said she didn't want to be that kind of coach. Well, and, but if you praise somebody all the time, even if the man's like, great job, you can't do that either. You see what happens, and then they want a gift every time they do something good or bad. So there's a fine line in there, and it, I think it all boils down to making it tough. And, oh, and kind for of sure. Not, not uh, mean, right? There's a difference between being mean to somebody and being tough. And because you, the best part about being a coach and a parent is you can apply the pressure to your child and pull it off. And if they go off in, into the real world or into the competition, it doesn't come off because they're competing against somebody who doesn't care about them or somebody yeah, trying to compete yeah. against them. So, I mean, we teach our kids how to dress and feed themselves and go to the bathroom. Hopefully, we teach them how to defend themselves a little bit, right? 
when they yeah. go out away from you. That's what you're telling yourself that they're they're capable of handling anything that I could protect them from. So, and she really had this profound influence to be able to do that with John Wooden. I mean, she she was able to spend time with this guy who won 12 NCAA championships and and collegiate basketball is absolutely considered the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, and it's not a, a, a man woman thing. No, the, the application's the same. It, 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 is, it has and, nothing to and, do with that. And I think you know he's a he was always this giant advocate of of you know I might have a player that's 8 9 10 on the bench but I he's going to play his best possible I'm going to bring the best out of that individual and that's what she does as well too right she obviously un- understands and and what was crazy when I saw this lecture she gave about the different types of coaches she calls it ones there's a strategist you know that's always that just loves the game itself Two, the defeatist, somebody that doesn't necessarily doesn't want the coaching job, but, you know, or has, you know, I, I'm, it's the end of the day. Oh, I've got to go be, do something else now. Uh, the egoist who just tries to keep, you know, their athletes underneath them, they're the fiefdom. And then the altruist that she thinks that she is, which is a selflessness that's involved in coaching, where you're truly become invested in the depths of the individual. And, and man, when you listen to her talk or you read a little bit of her book or her whole book, uh, which I look forward to, she brings, she does that with these and people. She, you know, you try to become the person that they like to hang out with the most, their best friend, except for kind of pull the friend part away because that, you do stupid things with your friends, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the whole, and then you, you become uh, the mirror version of her that tells her what she needs to hear, what she's telling herself in her head. Right. Well, the greatest coaches I ever had, you know, from the time I started at four years old all the way to college sports, it was, it was those coaches that did that, right? They, you know, you know, they, they didn't coddle you. They, they appreciate, they helped you appreciate, you know, the, the, the potential within yourself, but man, they, they drove you hard, just like the instructors. Yeah, the that's why instructors. the coaches and teachers are supposed to be temporary. Cause after a while they'll develop a relationship with you and then they'll fall into the, Oh, it's all right. Well, the mentoring aspect. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, it yeah, from, where it uh, goes from coach to mentor. and to, like, uh, yeah. yeah, that's where yeah. I'm now. I, I care about your feelings, yeah. and I don't want to tell you this because I don't want you to get your feelings hurt. Well, how many of these kids that you worked with at Exos have? Great part about Bud's t- instructors. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't get to buddy up with them until you get in the teams. Well, that's the freakiest part, right? I oh, remember. Oh, man. Dude, I, I still the, call yeah, a couple of instructors. Their end goal is different than a coach, though. Huh? How so? How so? I, no, I no, think I, the primary responsibility way, yeah, of a buds uh, instructor, from my my point of view, is to make is to find is to push you to the stage where you quit, because that I think is their primary function. And once and once they have too? separated the wheat from the chaff, yeah, I think all the way through. I mean, you don't learn anything in buds of importance. Yeah, and it's, because it's the a skills, test too. It is not a skills course whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. That's what you comes know later because we're gonna be hanging out with each other. That's another thing too. I'm like I'm pushing. I need to know how far you can go before you quit. That's how I would do that. And right? That's the only way that can be done. Yeah, I see that as absolutely soul. I mean, okay, there may be some small skills taught. <laughs> I was gonna say some bro. small. No, but it is small, relatively minuscule in comparison oh, it's, it's, to the yeah, chief it's, it's, goal uh, of removing people who will who will not be there at a crisis point. Just like boot camp, it's uh, spec war uh, boot camp. You know, spec war bearing. You learn. <laughs> Team got bearing in there, right? But <laughs> well, you also learn in the culture as well. But yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's that's where I see it's invaluable. You're they're ingraining all of the core fundamental mental emotional skill sets that you need to function in the teams. I think it's the greatest. Yeah, that's why you keep going back because you want to be one of them, and that, and they're seeing if you're even capable of uh, just putting not operating, just standing around, hanging around us, getting that the culture. Get, I mean, also, that's yeah. where it's drilled in. I don't know. In my, I think a lot of that stuff is gained later on. In my opinion, if you were to delineate every single purpose for buds on a line and erased all of them, the only one that of primary importance that would be left standing is seeing is this person's resilience point beyond the minimum that we need because there's no other way to test for that. Yeah, for you each other. You can train all sorts of things later on, and that that is covered. That you know, that's provided. Well, you're learning the, the it's not just the quit thing, but the t- how important it, the, my favorite buds plaque is that rock it says the secret to graduating buds is underneath, underneath this, this rock. rock. Yeah. What was uh, that class 303 or something like that? Uh, it's just, it takes a team to lift that to even look. So that's what the ability to push to see how far we either die or quit. And then what's left is the batch that we want because we know that they know what a team, what it takes to be a team now, you know, chaos and pain. And then all the little cool language, you know, all that stuff comes with when you're talking about in the teams. I, I think this uh, this woman has got to be one of the best coaches I've ever seen. I was like, cut. what the heck, man? I completely let's, forgot. Let's back I, onto, I, I completely forgot. Deep, we were, deep, right. deep. I think getting back onto her, uh, one thing that I do want to say about how how she stood out and as a coach. That whole the, the holistic kind of coaching uh, method seemed to me, you know, a way to characterize that. And it seems like also the um, chief tenet that has been attributed to her success um, as being opposed to like a taskmaster or a, like a dictatorial expert in all things. She kind of like encourages this focus in her athlete. And that came across in several ways. One, from she started talking about content and what you're focusing on with social media and whatnot. And refocusing that she talked about refocusing the athlete instead of after a failure to encourage them to question themselves you know where did you go wrong look for that and build that introspective capability into there she also talked about refocusing the athlete by by recognizing the importance of basically having a good time to get someone into a flow state with the music and and all that that was what really I thought was very unique and an important takeaway from that conversation. So what does a good leader have? You think all, all of those qualities that the coaches that she lined out, a little, little bit of dictator, a little bit of... I think you could be successful, well, maybe except for, what was the one that didn't really want to be a coach? <laughs> the fetus, the strategist, the fetus, the egos. He, he might not be a good coach, but you could probably be successful. I, there are successful examples in all of those, right? And that's the greatest part about her is she developed her own style. She named off all of those and saw what she didn't want to be and then understood what she was inside and then started applying it yep. over 36 years of training and producing a product that is undeniable. I mean, be true to yourself. I said, know yourself, you know go. your competition, and a thousand battles, you'll never know defeat. Right? I love it. I love it. Now, mm-hmm. if you have just tuned in to the Team Never Quit podcast, thank you so much. What a an incredible opportunity for you to, to join us for, if this is your first time, to hear uh, Miss Val and her incredible philo- coaching philosophy. 
Um, we just can't thank you enough for joining us. If, if you're coming back for more, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Without you, there's no way we would be able to, uh, you know, have the partnerships that we do. Most importantly, our, our being a part of the Westwood One Podcast Network. Thank you so much, Westwood One, for allowing us to join your team. We're so appreciative of you guys. Now, what we want to do is just thank one of our sponsors, man. And this guy's Whoop. And we're so excited to have them a part of us. Whoop is the human performance company that transforms how athletes understand their body and unlocks their inner potential. Designed for the 24-hour performance lifestyle, Whoop has built a system across hardware, analytics, and community used by the most elite athletes in the world to positively change behavior through actionable recommendations. The Whoop Strap 2.0 provides teams and individuals with a continuous and personalized understanding of recovery, strain, and sleep. Studies demonstrate WHOOP can reduce injuries, prevent overtraining, improve performance, and, and improve performance. Join the best athletes in the world and learn more by visiting WHOOP.com. Now, gents, all of us in here recognize the power of monitoring the, the details of our performance, right? I mean, Marcus, we learned about it in 18 Delta. What about heart rate and everything else? Oh, pulse, pulse rate, pulse pressure. It's amazing how far the technology's come back from the day when it was two fingers on the, uh, on the and throat. And you're all carotid, right? Right, right. And watching, uh, mm. watching the, the old wrist there to, around the chest. And now this, it has all that encompassed because a lot of stuff you couldn't wear while you were asleep or in the water or anything else. So every generation that comes out of that tells you more and, and, and gives more. And thank God for Whoop, man. I just started wearing mine last week, and already uh, the data that it's showing me is incredible. Now, Wizard, you also have some information that you believe is is mm -hmm. pertinent to all performance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know what's really cool about these wearable fitness trackers, um, particularly something like the Whoop, which we've been running around here for a little while, is that uh, it takes a lot of that guesswork, the subjective nature, which can, which can be really it, – it runs – directly contrary to being efficient and really getting the most out of your workouts. I mean, it's something that affects pretty much everyone. If you're not able to get objective, you know, define, define data that is going to show you what you're accomplishing when you're working out or even in recovery, which, you know, you can wear the whoop 24 hours when you sleep, then you can't really uh, achieve and maximize your time, your efficiency in your workouts. And I think... That's a fantastic advantage that people should be taking advantage of these days with something like the Whoop. I'll tell you what. One of my favorite also aspects, and you can find all kinds of information, they had a group of our brothers, Navy SEALs, that did this incredible race. They, they skydived into the ocean, swam a couple miles to the shore, and put on plates and did a 100-mile run in under 24 hours, all while, all while wearing the Whoop strap. Their, their whole experience is online. You can check it out. All right, here you go. Over the holidays, man, visit whoop.com and take advantage of the special annual membership and save 20% off per month off the standard membership. That's 20% per month off the standard membership. And if you drop our pro, pro and if you drop our promo code TNQP, you're going to get the first month on us. Go to whoop.com. Dot com. All right. If you want to know more about us, just go to our website at tnqpodcast.com. 
uh, where you can find why we do it. You can find all the shows there if you want to listen to them. Uh, or you can listen on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, CastBox. We stream it on Spotify now, on Stitcher, and pretty much every available platform uh, for podcasting on your cellular device or computer. Across the universe. Across the universe. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, if you want to buy merch, man, visit the website. We've got killer hats and shirts and, and everything that you can rep uh, the never quit mindset with. Uh, just check us out there. Um, and we just want to say that one of our favorite place and places on the site is the listener uh, write-in stories. You're, we've been had this incredible, uh, amazing thing happening. We we asked you all to, to write in and share your greatest Never Quit moments, which was now turned into this, uh, this great catalog that you can utilize to uh, find the things, the wisdom that you need, like, like Miss Val shared today, but through our listeners on their greatest Never Quit stories. So let's read one for this show. This is from Debbie. I'll start in 2014. It started just like any other year in January. Ha ha. In April, I turned 40. My mother sent me a message on Facebook asking if she could still shoot me. I'd always said if I ever reach 40 to just shoot me because there was no way anything could hap- could anything good could happen once I got that old. I told her we'd hold off and see what the year had in store. Six days later, I had most of my thyroid removed due to precancerous nodules. A couple of nights in the hospital, a new medication, and I'm back on the road to recovery. In May... My marriage of 14 years was officially sealed and delivered in a very plain white envelope with an order the judge had signed. We had been going at it for three years by this time, and I was just relieved to have it over. While I mourned for the family unit my children would never have, I was bound and determined to make the best for all of us. Then July came. And my friend from high school sent out a message that her 17-year-old son had been killed in an accident the night before out in British Columbia, where he had just moved a few months prior. My boys, only six and nine at the time, came into my room as I sobbed. When I said my friend lost her son, Carson wrapped his arms around my neck as tight as he could and consoled me. Don't worry, Ma. I know they'll find him, just I know they will. Oh, how my heart ached for the young man I knew from infancy and his family. In August, my grandfather died. The man I thought was invincible. I mean, truly, we had been told a year previous that he didn't get, that if he didn't get a kidney transplant, which he didn't, he would not live three months. While traveling in Canada for his funeral, the engine blew out of my vehicle. On a deserted highway with no self-service, my boys, my brother, and it's 90 degrees out. I lost my job because I could not get back to the USA when I was supposed to. That's all, right? Oh, that's all, right? I can be done now. Haven't I been through enough? And then in October, my little boys started hockey. I'm so excited about that I volunteered to help coach. 
Life is good. So amazingly, awesomely good. And then it happened. I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. It was aggressive. It was huge. It had the potential. It had the potential to be deadly. I called my mom over 600 miles away. Talk about milestones to remember a year. To say it's been challenging is a bit more than an understatement. When I first got cancer, a friend and I went for manicures and shopping. She bought me a little sign we found that says, if this is a blessing, it sure is well disguised. Two years ago in October, I met Katie. She didn't know my story and wondered why I had a buzz cut. She was not aware that I had just finished 20 20 weeks of chemotherapy, a surgery that discovered the cancer had spread to a lymph node during my chemo, five weeks of daily radiation, and was finishing up a targeted chemotherapy drug. Our friendship was slow going at first. She was pregnant with baby number four. I had just started hockey season number two, and I was trying to keep moving forward. Her happy place was always inline skating. The few times she tried to tempt me, I said that I skated from October to March, and in the summertime, I fish. A full year later, she showed up at my house with a pair of inline skates she found online for super cheap. I told her I commit to one lap. I showed up begrudgingly at the trail where she skates almost daily, and I was hooked. That first summer, I scared... I skated nearly 400 miles. I broke my middle finger in a slow speed fall. I had a knee injury that led to cortisone injections that kept me off my skates for nearly a month. Yet 88 days from that first skate, I skated from North Shore Inline Marathon. I skated in the North Shore Inline Marathon in Duluth, Minnesota. We use skating to raise funds for breast research, breast cancer research. I decided that cancer can kiss my skates was my mantra for going forward. This year, we are raising funds for the metastatic breast cancer research. One-third of patients will eventually develop metastasis, which is terminal. We have the names of cancer warriors past and printed printed on our shirts. I reached out to, the TNQ, I reached out to TNQ in search of a warrior who could use a pick-me-up, and I would sharpie their name on my arm and carry them with me at my race in June. My goal time to finish the race was two hours and 30 minutes. When TNQ suggested I honor the men of Operation Red Wings on this 13th anniversary month of their sacrifice, I was in tears. When I told my 10-year-old what I was doing, he also wanted his name on my arm and wrote it before I left town. Race day, I took a Sharpie and listed all 19 men killed during Operation Red Wing on my arms. When my legs were aching and I began to question my ability, I reminded myself the new mantra I had begun to recite a couple weeks earlier. My hardest skate is still easier than chemo. My hands behind my back were held by 19 warriors and my son. Every time my hands closed around those names, I thought of those 19 men and how they were never out of the fight. When I was sink. When I was swinging my arms and those names came into sight, I pushed harder and faster. My knees aching, my muscles screaming, my heart beating out of my chest. Every time I stopped striding, I reminded myself that every stride I missed was one I could never get back after the finish line. 
With five minutes left in my race, the downpour started. It rained so hard that there were streams coming down the road. With two miles left, soaked to the bone, glasses useless through the rain, an official drove by asking if I wanted a ride back. Many roads in the area have since washed out, causing a state of emergency. I didn't come this far to give I didn't come this far to give up. I kept going. I finished in two hours, thirteen minutes and thirty seven seconds. I was sixteen minutes and twenty three minutes sixteen minutes and twenty three seconds faster than my goal, and the last five miles in the pouring rain. Due to sweat and rain, the names on my arm were obliterated by the end of the race. The energy of those names were used up. Less than a year from my first skate, I've completed two marathons and finished third out of six in my age court category at the second one. I'm competing in two more inline skate- skating marathons in 2018. Diagnosed in October 2014, declared NED. No evidence of disease, April 22nd, 2016. I am TNQ. That's awesome. Right? That's cool. Right, right, Debbie? You are amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for writing in and, and sharing your process and sharing how you made it through this. Heck, man, that was one hell of a year. It's just, I know you'll be an inspiration to all the members on Team Never Quit. I want to thank Miss Val, you are awesome. I, I really can't believe we had the opportunity to have you on. You're such an amazing human being and have really done wonders for so many people and will definitely help our, our listeners. I want to thank God, my kids, Jana, my family. I want to thank our listeners. Thank Westwood One. Thank you guys. Man, what an epic show. Debbie, that, that story will mean more to me than you'll ever know. I'll, I'll remember that forever. Thank you so much. And uh, Miss Val, never stop dancing. That was a uh, that was a treat to have you on, and I, I learned a, a great deal from you. Thank you for that. The First Family, thank you for uh, everything you bless us with. To my family, thanks for letting me do this. And uh, to all our listeners who keep bringing us back, I, <laughs> I still can't believe we could do this for a living. It's amazing. You guys are awesome, and um, we really enjoy it. Don't have the words to thank you guys. I'm out. Out.